Donald Trump is in a little bit more legal trouble than we had remembered because he recently, in fact, this past Friday, got hit with a nearly $400,000 penalty from a failed lawsuit that he had filed with his lawyer, Alina Haba, against the New York Times. Here's the backstory before I get into the punishment that Donald Trump is now facing. Back in 2018, the New York Times, uh, several writers with the New York Times, uh, worked with Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece. She turned over a lot of tax information that she had about her uncle, you know, through various family dealings, things of that nature. Because at the time, let's not forget, Donald Trump was still saying, oh, I can't release my tax returns because I'm being audited. Oh, I really wish I could, but I can't. So the New York Times took a roundabout approach and said, hey, Mary, you've got some of this stuff. Would you like to share it with us? And Mary Trump, of course, was like, heck yeah, here we go. They actually won a Pulitzer Prize for that information that they published. Now, Trump was unhappy about this. So in 2021, he filed a $100 million lawsuit against the New York Times and against his niece, Mary Trump. Alina Haba, as I said, was his attorney for that case. And they lost. They lost bad. Um, now the case against Mary Trump is actually going to still proceed because Trump had argued in his lawsuit against the New York times that, Hey, the New York times should have known that Mary Trump was barred from releasing this information via the non-disclosure agreements that we had all signed. She wasn't allowed to do this. And the judge was like, okay, you have a case there, but the New York times didn't sign a non-disclosure agreement. Like they can publish whatever people send them. So you can't sue them for that. They were not a part of that non-disclosure agreement, which any attorney in this country should have recognized. But Alina Haba, as per usual, did not. And she wanted to take on a high profile case against the biggest newspaper in the country, the New York Times, for $100 million. And she lost. And this past Friday, the judge said, Hey, also, by the way, you're going to have to pay $392,000 to cover the legal fees of the New York times and the reporters that you sued. So nearly $400,000 now that Donald Trump has to pay all because Alina Haba didn't bother to explain to him that, Hey, yeah, it sucks. I know you're unhappy, but New York times is allowed to publish this under the first amendment. You can still sue your niece though. Like we can go after her hundred percent, but the New York times is protected. Let's not even go that route. That's all she had to say. That is all she had to say, but Trump doesn't want to hear no from any of his lawyers. All he wants to hear is yes, sir. That sounds like a wonderful case. Let me go ahead and file the paperwork. Um, you know, you're probably going to lose. You're going to get slapped with their legal fees too, for filing a frivolous lawsuit against them, but sure, I'll go ahead and do it. And this is what's, what's happened. Like this is the end result from having lawyers who do not have the courage, the fortitude to stand up to their clients and tell them, no, like you have to do that. Sometimes you have to do it frequently. Let's be honest about that but Donald Trump doesn't want to hear it. And because he found a lawyer in Alina Haba who will not tell him no, she will go on TV and spout whatever idiotic talking points he wants her to spout. And he's happy with that. But how happy is he going to be when it keeps costing him hundreds of thousands? And in the case of the New York fraud trial, hundreds of millions of dollars. 
At some point it's going to click in Donald Trump's brain that this clearly not great lawyer, Alina Haba is costing me all of my money. Her incompetence in New York is going to cost me all of my businesses. Like Trump could lose all of his properties depending on the outcome of this case, all because he likes Alina Haba because she won't tell him no, because she'll say the stupid things that other lawyers refuse to say. She'll file the stupid lawsuits that other lawyers will not file. It cost him nearly 400,000 with the New York times. He got sanctioned. So did Alina Haba for the frivolous lawsuit he filed against Hillary Clinton that they say they're going to refile. And Alina Haba's in charge of that one too. And we've all seen what's happened with the New York fraud trial. Alina Haba is costing Donald Trump everything. And I think at this point, it's only a matter of time before he wakes up and realizes that fact. Here's something interesting. Good news. I I know we're not used to having good news. Everything really seems to be in a state of constant doom and gloom, but a new poll has come out and it shows that 53% of the American public is totally okay. And a good number of those people actually want this to happen, but at least 53% of the public is totally okay. If the United States Supreme court says that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for office, to be on any ballots due to his violation of section three of the 14th amendment. A majority of the country says we're totally fine. If Trump gets kicked off the ballot in one state or all the states. And as if that wasn't bad enough in this very same poll, 56%, another majority of American voters said that they actually support, they support the criminal charges against Donald Trump. And this is actually a fairly reliable poll, only a 2.5% margin of error. And as I've said a hundred times, remember that old rule, if the margin of error is greater than 3%, that is typically in the eyes of actual political scientists viewed as a non-reliable poll. So this one meets that threshold. It's below it. Two and a half percent margin of error, majority of people cool with Trump being kicked off and they support the criminal charges against him. Now, normally I don't like to just sit here and talk about polls, you know, because polls change things like that. But the reason I want to talk about this one is because this information in this new poll doesn't square with the information from some of those other polls that show, oh, Donald Trump is running away with it. He's going to crush Biden. He's beating them with the younger generation, even though he's actually not. Um, okay. How do you square that? Like Trump on a national level beats Biden. Okay. But then at the same time, a majority of voters say we want him kicked off the ballot. A majority of voters say we want him criminally charged and we support the charges against him. We think that this is right and fair. Hmm. Something doesn't quite seem right between these polls. And as I said, this new poll majority want him kicked off majority support the criminal charges. This has a margin of error of 2%, 2.5%. Now those other ones that are showing Donald Trump beating president Biden on the national level, those have margins of error, sometimes up to 6%, which is huge. And again, in the eyes of political scientists, cause we're taught that anything over 3% is not reliable. So 6% more than double 
the like bottom line, barely reliable. So I'm going to go with this one and I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't think president Biden is in as much danger, not saying he's not in danger, but I don't think he's in as much danger as some of those other far less reliable polls would have us believe. Again, he's got problems. This is not going to be an easy year. He is not cruising towards, you know, just a landslide reelection victory. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a nail biter. But as this year progresses, what else progresses? Donald Trump's legal problems. So as these trials begin, because we're going to have at least one of them, you know, we've got at least one criminal trial that will commence before the election. And it will conclude likely before the election as well. That's going to take a heavy toll on Donald Trump. I mean, he may have to like sit out presidential debates because he's in the middle of a criminal trial. Like that's how intense this is going to be. Hell, <laughs> there's a chance he may have to miss part of the Republican convention because he's in criminal trial. Heck, today, today, <laughs> he has a new trial starting uh, civil trial with Eugene Carroll. So as Trump's legal problems continue to get worse this year, I do think we're going to see those other polls start to shift and show more of a reality that Biden's not in as much danger. Again, not saying he's totally in the clear. He's got big problems, but these other polls, the more reliable ones show that Donald Trump clearly has far more hurdles towards his electability than President Biden does. Lauren Boebert is finding out very quickly that you cannot run away from your problems, especially if you don't actually try to run away from your problems. I mean, she went from the third district to the fourth district in Colorado. So literally the neighboring district, y'all share a border and voters, her new constituents in that district are already sick and tired of her. And many of them clearly seem to just straight up hate her. On Friday, The Independent published a massive new report where they actually went and they spoke to voters in her new district, including some Republican officials, including some Democrats. But here's what they found. They found that overall, there's a general sentiment that people don't like her. Okay. They call her a carpetbagger. They say that she is, uh, you know, basically district shopping that this is just a power grab for her to keep her job because she's got nothing else to fall back on. It was actually funny because one of the Republicans they talked to mentioned that, and I had said that a couple weeks ago. So they're like, yeah, obviously she wants this because she doesn't have another job. But let me read you some of these quotes. This is a local Republican official who said, quote, you might be shocked at how many people are not happy about it. This just naked power-seeking behavior to save the seat doesn't really sit well. Another one said, you can imagine the campaign ads that her opponents are going to run. It's going to be dark, grainy footage of her in the Beetlejuice theater. (laughs) And that was actually in response to the fact that there are some voters in that district that the independent spoke to that didn't know about the Beetlejuice thing. They didn't know about it. They didn't know about the incident, you know, a week and a half ago or whatever in the restaurant with her ex-husband. So there's tons of things that these voters who already aren't big fans of her don't even know about. So that's why they're saying like, that's going to be in every ad in this primary season 
in Colorado. And it's going to make a lot of people who might be on the fence about her be like, oh, hell no. Some more quotes. I won't vote for her because of who she is and what she's done. Okay. Fairly simple. That's just random voter in the in the district. Another one, this is actually a state representative, Richard Holtorf, who, of course, is running against her in the primary. He says she's a deserter. She's deserting her people out of political expediency. There's a certain very disruptive thing she's done that are unprofessional and should not be done. The outcries during the State of the Union speech. You just don't do that. Then you had another person. Uh, this was a Colorado Democratic Party official who said, I think the most common phrase that we hear is that she's a coward, that she's most interested in her social media accounts and not actually getting things done. So, of course, leave it to the Democrats to be the ones to have to point out like, hey, I know she's got all this horrible behavior, but let's not forget she's done nothing for the voters. You know, that that should probably be issue number one. Aside from her extracurricular activities, she's not doing anything for you. So imagine, if you will, this two-pronged attack, one coming from the left and one coming from the right. On the right, as the one person said, they're going to be showing the grainy footage of her in the theater, you know, feeling up her boyfriend, vaping and all of that. Her giving the middle finger to everybody as she's being escorted out of the building. They're going to talk about all of the other things. They're going to show the outburst that she's had during the State of the Union address. They're going to show all of this horrific, disturbing, disgusting behavior. And that's coming from the right. And over here on the left... They're going to be attacking her, telling voters like, hey, she didn't do a damn thing for the third district. Not a thing. She didn't get any bills passed. She actually voted against the infrastructure bill that ended up bringing jobs and money to her own district. So she didn't even want to give them that. So they're going to attack her on policy from the left. They're going to attack her on behavior from the right. And I think all of this culminates in Lauren Boebert spending her last year this year in Congress. I do not think she wins. I don't even think she wins that Republican primary. I think before the election even happens, I think Lauren Boebert's already a lame duck in her last year in Congress. So there's an interesting scenario playing itself out with some of Donald Trump's legal problems, specifically his immunity plea that he, of course, argued in court last week. Now, here's what's happened. You had Reagan-era former Attorney General of the United States, Ed Meese. Ed Meese filed an amicus brief in that particular case about the immunity, where he argued, former Attorney General argued, that Jack Smith, his appointment as the special prosecutor, is unconstitutional. Because, as Ed Meese says in his amicus brief, Jack Smith wasn't working for the Department of Justice. Therefore, as a non-DOJ employee, he legally cannot be appointed as special prosecutor, Ed Meese tells us. And Ed Meese would know, right? I mean, Ed Meese was Attorney General of the United States. So... At the hearing, or I think it was actually after the hearing, one of Donald Trump's lawyers was asked about the amicus brief, like, hey, are y'all going to go down this route challenging Jack Smith's constitutional ability to even be a special prosecutor? And the Trump lawyer says, I think it raises very powerful questions, but we have not raised it at this time. So the lawyer's hinting at like, oh, I kind of like it, but we're not doing that yet. 
See, they're going to wait till after the immunity issue is settled, which likely will not go in Donald Trump's favor. And then after that, to further delay the trial, they're going to say, okay, you know what? Let's do the Meese argument. And let's say that Jack Smith is not constitutionally allowed to be the special prosecutor because he wasn't an employee at the DOJ. Ha. So that gives us another few months to delay trials, right? Not exactly because Ed Meese is wrong. Even though he was attorney general of the United States, even though he should know these things, um, there actually is not a rule at the department of justice that a special prosecutor has to be an employee of the department of justice. You want a recent example? How about Robert Mueller? Robert Mueller for the Mueller investigation. Let's not forget that almost two years of investigating Donald Trump. He wasn't an employee of the DOJ. Ed Meese wasn't filing amicus briefs saying he can't do it because he didn't go. No, nobody raised an eyebrow. You, you let the investigation continue. And then you listen to the report where Mueller did not charge Donald Trump. And then you were happy with that. But now you have another special prosecutor, same situation, investigating Donald Trump, not a employee of the DOJ, but he did charge Trump. So now you're like, oh, well, no, 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 you can't do that. You're unconstitutional, but you had no problem with Robert Mueller doing the same thing, just not bringing charges. See, because if you want to argue that Robert Mueller was an improper special prosecutor, then we just need to relaunch that investigation, I guess. Right, Mr. Meese? Is that what you're arguing? Plus, let's not forget that uh, Merrick Garland, the current attorney general of the United States, actually did sanction this. He approved it and he approved the indictments. So, yeah, I would say that Ed Meese is wrong. And of course, conservative legal scholars, if such a thing actually exists, have agreed with Meese. They're like, oh, I think Meese has a great argument. Yeah, absolutely. But other normal legal scholars have said, no, like that's because it's not a thing. <laughs> like you're out there saying this is unconstitutional because he's not an employee, but that's, that's not a requirement never has been. So we don't even know what you're talking about, but we know it's wrong because that's simply not a thing the DOJ has to do. But this is an argument. I guarantee you after Trump's immunity claims get smacked down, this will be the next Avenue because it's their last ditch effort to continue to delay the inevitable. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.